Hey y'all, welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. I'm Michelle. And I'm Christina. How are y'all doing today? Well, doing good. <laughs> it's spring break where I Yay. am. Yes. yes. That means I'm peeling my children off of the walls. <laughs> for sure. That's a serious task. That's right. It okay. is. It's been fun. It's been fun. Yes. Love it. How about you, C? Yeah, it's not quite, well, it's spring break for college students. Um, mm-hmm. So it's pretty, pretty quiet uh, at work. Um, my kids don't do spring break until another couple weeks out. So I'm trying to get my mind ready for what that means. Because... <laughs> okay, get your mind right. right. That's right. That's right, girl. I know. That is hilarious. Well, I am doing well. It's spring now, but you can't tell outside. So, (laughs) you know how that is. We had Mm -hmm. spring in February and now it's Mm -hmm. March and we don't have spring. So I don't know what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I'm feeling good because, um, yeah, I'm excited for what we're about to talk about today. So, y'all, get your bags packed because we are going on a trip, okay? Oh, and and where are we going? Truth's table is going to the Armitage Estate. (laughs) We are discussing the blockbuster hit movie, Get Out, written and directed by Jordan Peele, okay? (laughs) So, y'all know, our listeners have bombarded us with requests to discuss this movie, and we are more than happy to oblige. So, let me just give a quick summary for those who have not watched the film. Uh, the movie begins with Chris, who is played by Daniel Kaluuya. He is a black man who has been dating his white girlfriend, Rose Armitage, played by Allison Williams, for five months they've been dating. So Rose takes Chris on a weekend trip to meet her family for the first time, but she didn't tell her family that Chris is black. Mm-hmm. So when, yeah. okay, y'all already know. <laughs> you know, you know. Shenanigans are about to ensue. Uh, So when Chris and Rose arrive at the Armitage estate, they are greeted by Rose's neurosurgeon father, Dean, who is played by Bradley Whitford, and Rose's hypnotherapist mother, Missy Armitage. This is all bad, right? (laughs) Played by (laughs) Catherine Keener. While there, Chris has to wade through white liberal racism, microaggressions, and the like, while grappling with the fact that the only black people connected to the Armitages are their maid, Georgina, played by Betty Gabriel, and the groundskeeper, Walter, played by Marcus Henderson. So at this juncture, we are warning those of you who have not seen Get Out, we are asking you to hit pause if, and that's a big if, if you do not want us to ruin this movie for you. So, uh, but yeah, please download the episode, you know, uh, <laughs> but, but hit pause, that's all. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Or if you're like me, if you're like me right. and you haven't seen the movie and you still want to hear Boom. these folks go in on the conversation, you should definitely listen. It's going to be good. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So, yeah. yeah. So, M, yeah. kick us off. <laughs> so, all right. So, Christina, Akemini, tell me about the scenes and the characters that really stood out to you, even if it was 
just in the middle of it happening, you're going, whoa, this is sticking with me. Or if you walked Mm -hmm. away from the film as a whole and thought, ooh, this is, um, there's some pieces here that I'm unpacking even now. What really has stuck with you since you've seen the film? Good question. Thanks so much. Yeah. See, you go ahead. You got something? There's a lot. There's a lot. It is a lot. Probably on a daily basis, I have like a Georgina reenactment. Oh, wow. Yes. So, <laughs> Georgina is And at some point, having a conversation with my husband throughout the day, I'll look at him and I'll go in like Georgina mode and go like, no, 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 That's so real. At least three times a day I do that. So um, I just feel like I have a right to look at people and just say, no, 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 no. And so um, mm. Georgina has given me that. So that's, <laughs> I think, I, I absolutely love the kind of strong acting uh, mm-hmm. for that character in this movie. And so, anywho, so that stands out. Um, there, there are some. Georgina is all of us, all of us black women. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I know. She's like, I'm not having it. No. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so uh, that that stands out to me. How about you, Kimini? Uh, you know what? There's a couple of things that stand out to me. Uh, act, the first scene for me was like, whoa. Um, you see Lakeith Stanford. Uh, I'm sorry, Stanfield. Sorry about that. Lakeith Stanfield uh, is play, plays Dre, and he's just walking in uh you know a very nice suburb tree line uh suburb with manicured lawns huge homes um and it's at night and so he's got on his little skinny jeans and he's just walking i think looking for somebody's house you know but he's kind of lost a bit but he's Mm. just walking and walking minding his own business in the suburbs and a little nervous about being in the suburbs at night, right? Uh, And this car pulls up. It's following him, playing this really creepy music. And he's like, uh, nah, bump that. Like, I'm going the opposite direction. Like, what's happening right now? (laughs) And so, uh, you know, and so he's nervous. And so for me, and then, of course, he gets snatched up, right? Which for me, honestly, for real, for real, that is like my biggest nightmare is like that happening to me. And so I really identified uh, with Dre in that scene because I am actually typically quite nervous uh, in suburban settings. I'm always really ner- nervous about being um, in, a, in a place like that because I don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's going to be a threat yeah. to my life. Is somebody going to call me, you know, uh, a racial slur? Am I going to get snatched up? It's possible, you know? And so all of those things were like, ah, I really felt that, that fear, um, in that scene. And of course he did, you know, uh, get snatched up. So I thought that was kind of really deep. I don't know if people really often talk about that often. So, uh, but yeah, so that scene really, uh, stood out to me. Uh, and then for me, it was Rose. Well, actually, it's funny. Chris actually also said that he gets really nervous around a whole bunch of white people. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's how I know this movie was made for black people. You know, because, <laughs> because this, this is the thing. This movie is like, finally, this is something from our point of view. It's particularly, you know, just with this genre, just not something that we usually frequent, or I don't anyway. And yeah. so I was in the theaters. I live in Philly, you know, and Philly's a black city. And I'm in the 
room, I'm in a movie theater full of black folks watching this movie, okay? And there's maybe five white people, you know? And I'm like, oh Lord, I know those white people must be nervous to walk out after seeing this movie. Because <laughs> so, the black people, we are like talking at the screen. We are like, run! When Dre was, you know, was walking the opposite way, we like, run! Run for your life! You know, like that is what was happening as the movie was going on. So it was just an amazing experience to watch this movie with my people. Um, and so, yeah, so I, yeah, so that scene for me was really huge. I don't think a lot of people talk about that, but that was a big thing for me. Um, Rose, Rose, uh, oh my goodness, Rose, help me God. Uh, <laughs> when she was like, well, should my parents know that you're black? Girl, yes. <laughs> Which is exactly how everybody in the theater responded, right? Uh, but for me, uh, Rose was, she was, to me, white feminism personified. The very embodiment of white feminism. You know, wanting, you know, that proximity with Blackness, being okay um, with using our labor and our work while simultaneously erasing us, you know? And so in this case, she's getting next to Chris, right? And using him for all that he can give her, you know, until it's time for her to lure him into her trap, right? And so that she can be used, you know, or so that he, his actual life can actually be taken, right? And so, and used and sold off, you know, to one of their friends, you know, their other white friends in order to keep this dream alive. And so for me, I saw this juxtaposition between Rose and Georgina. And so I saw the daughters of Susan, Susan B. Anthony contending with the daughters of Ida B. Wells Barnett, you know, and I just felt like Georgina really embodied that in so many different ways. I even think the fact that we don't, I felt like we didn't get as much info I don't know. I felt like we could have learned more about Georgina personally. I mm. felt in some ways I wanted to know more about Georgina. Uh, and I was glad that we got to hear about Walter, the groundskeeper. But I felt like we could have done, I, I, I just would have liked to have heard more about what's going on with Georgina. And she gave a stellar performance. So yeah. she gets all of the awards. But, but I don't know. I mean, did you feel that way, Christina? Like you, I, did you want to know more about Georgina? Because I know I did. Well, yeah, I wanted to know more about her, but I think that was fitting that we that she was invisible. Well, right? That's true. Right. That, <laughs> I wonder why she was invisible because she represents us. Right. So, I mean, I, yeah. So I think her um, she has the strength that kind of uh, sprouts out every now and then. Like you see these mm -hmm. tears in her eyes. You see her trying to connect and communicate with Chris to convey, right. like, I have help me, and. Yeah. That particular dynamic, I think, between this Black woman and this Black man was really profound. This sense of, do you see me? Uh, I yeah. need you to see me. So and um, so th that was another layer in that movie where um, I felt like Black women were literally left on the side of the road. Wow. And so you think about Chris's narrative of of all this guilt that he has about not going to rescue his mother who literally dies That's on the it. side of the road. I mean, yep. it represents yeah. black women who are dying on the side of the road. Wow. Um, Georgina is trapped, you know, she's this trapped black woman who's completely invisible. Mm -hmm. And I resonated with the sense of wanting to know more about her, but I understood why we didn't because we don't yeah. know more about uh, yeah. the story of the black woman who is, who's not heard, who's not seen, you know, un unless they pop off, you know, unless we're like, Hey, Hey, look at me now, you know? Yeah. So, um, and, and unfortunately that's what it takes. Either there's this invisibility or it has to be this, um, 
uh, this pull. Hypervisibility. Absolutely. A hypervisibility that takes place. And so, um, so I'm with you in wanting, wanting to know her more deeply, but I think that actually really captures, uh, the narrative of, of black oh, yeah. women. And um, I also was puzzled by the obsession with Rose. I mean, as I, I'm, watching, I'm watching it through the lens of a black woman who's watching this movie. I'm, I'm watching Chris's love for Rose. And right. I, I didn't get it. I, couldn't get I it. didn't get it either. I was like, why? And I, I had to do some self-examination. I was like, okay, am I not getting this because she's a white woman? And I don't think so. I think I just didn't get it because I was like, I just think you're obsessed with her. <laughs> she, just, she just didn't seem that awesome to me. <laughs> I mean, she was really clueless to me, this whole, like, it's not a big deal. And then, of course, the scene where, you know, she's she's uh, challenging the police officer um, and he's impressed by that. And I thought that's weird. I, you know, I, I, Chris lost me for a moment on that one because I was thinking, well, the black men I know would, would probably think uh, you're about to get me killed. Like, mm, that's right. That, that's not an attractive thing. And he thought it was really attractive and that like she had a lot of moxie and he thought it was sexy that she did that. I thought that was crazy. And to me, that reinforced like this woman does not get it. Like this is, mm-hmm. is not a safe person for you to be with, Chris. I think you ought to leave now. So, um, yeah, so that that stood out to me as well. That was good. No, I liked um, uh, going back a bit to what you had to say about Georgina. You're right. This this film was so smart because you're right. That's probably exactly what he was going for was actually showing the fact that black women are often a race and we're unknown, right? Either. Yeah. So, but I also thought the the interaction between Chris and Georgina was interesting because Chris dismissed Georgina. Like in that, in that very um, pivotal scene where she's like, no, no, no. And she has those tears coming out of, um, out of her eyes. I mean, it was such a powerful uh, scene, you know, and he just, when she walks away, understandably, you know, she's been traumatized. She's just been abused. You know, she's, her body's been snatched and stolen um, from her uh, by her best friend rose okay so that's important to remember uh i it was interesting because after that scene or at towards the end of the scene chris dismisses her and says man this bee is crazy you know and so which is oftentimes when we're crying out about what racism sexism the misogynoir that we experience we right. are oftentimes not always but oftentimes dismissed as crazy Right. When we're actually responding to a situation with the appropriate amount, you know, of panic and response that that it warrants. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So much of what you guys are pulling out right now of what y'all are pulling out speaks to the placement of the story of African-Americans, just sort of our experience, our daily experience. Mm -hmm. But to place it inside the genre of horror almost sounds like the vehicle fits perfectly with the biography. I mean, what, what is the black experience from uh, except one in which the tropes of invisibility and the consistent struggle between the sexes, that's all a piece of this sort of psycho thriller horror picture that I think Jordan Peele really made a good choice in terms of selecting. I mean, he's famous for being a comedian. Mm -hmm. So what stood out to y'all in terms of, wow, this genre 
really works <laughs> to to really drive this story. I mean, there's lots of different pieces of your average horror film. How did those kind of come out? Or if you're like me and you've only ever watched one other horror film in your life, <laughs> right? <maybe> <laughs> Well, here's the thing. So here's the thing. I mean, uh, like you, I don't do horror. I'm like, I don't, right. do I don't play I don't with like spirits. It. I'm like, mm-mm. So, but, <laughs> I'm like, nah, mm-mm. But, but what I, you know, and if I do, it's usually more, so I don't know. I would, it's funny that this is actually classified as a horror. And I think it's so smart that he did that. Um, mm-hmm. But in my mind, this is more so a psychological thriller is the way mm-hmm. I experience this movie. Cause I okay. legit can't do horror. I like, I will have nightmares. Like it's a lot, you know? And so <laughs> it, it's just a lot with me. And so, uh, so, but I thought it was so smart for him to classify it as a horror because yeah. racism yeah. is the ultimate horror. You know, mm-hmm. this really is. Cause I, I don't think people who are white, white people just are not able to actually see just how horrific and how horrendous and how scary and violent racism really is. And I think by mm-hmm. classifying it as such, it forces you to really grapple with this. Like, dang, like this is a, a very real thing. And I guess the sad thing about the movie is that leaving the theater, you know that this is, you can't leave it there. It's not a fantasy. This really, this is real life for us. You yeah. know, um, yeah. The, the psychological trauma and, and things that we deal with. And so I thought it was very smart that he did that. You had those little scenes where you jumped and stuff, but, but to, to experience horror, you know, from uh, the perspective of a black person in America was ingenious, you know, and I don't think we're, we're not often, you know, uh, acknowledged in that genre. We're usually killed within the first five, 10 minutes. We just don't survive, <laughs> you know, and so, that's you know, every saying? film, that's every well, film, girl, you can't watch a pirate movie. Mm. <laughs> you know, exactly. So, so, you know, so I think, so it was really, really smart, you know, mm-hmm. and, so, and the crazy thing is that, uh, I just love how he came for white liberalism too. I mean, because the, the reality is the white, because you know, we all know white conservative racism, right? And I, I know white liberal racism because I was born in California, so I know it very well. Mm. And so the thing about it is, is that Rose's parents would have been like, been to Chris like, I saw Get Out, right? Just like you said, <laughs> I would have voted for Obama a third time. Oh yeah, they would have been all up on that, like as if that gives you a pass. Oh, yeah. Same people, same people that tell you, I seen The Wire and. That means what? So, you know, so, so I just so anyways, I, I know that's kind of off a tangent. Help me, Lord. But but yeah, I thought the horror classification was very smart. Um, I mm. thought so. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. No, I no, I agree with that. And I think um so it was important for I think viewers to see Chris afraid. to see him vulnerable to see that he's a person who bleeds um so a part of that movie by making it you know this horror part of the horror genre was that we were able to see chris as fully human which is incredibly important as an african-american character right yeah oh yeah i think that may have been one of its greatest contributions is to remind people that although racism says that black Black men are invulnerable and that they don't feel pain the same way other people feel pain. Yeah. That's all a lie. That's he right. was fully human, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I, 
I appreciated the fear in his eyes and running for his life and fighting for his life. And um, so I thought that was really important. Of course, the movie, so it, you know, it has this whole uh, thriller, psychological thriller piece. I thought it was incredibly funny. So maybe that's just my sixth yep. sense of humor. No, it was funny. Um, <laughs> it was funny. And I was, and I was in a movie theater here in Michigan that was predominantly white. So I like when I saw Fences and, um, you know, I'm Not Your Negro, which was, you know, I was in the theater with uh, some, with people of color, um, especially for Fences. It was, it was in Baltimore where I saw that all African-American theater and it was, people were in his, we, we laughed out loud like yep. 70% of the movie. Um, <laughs> but here, here where I saw this particular movie get out, there may have been like, three other black people in the whole theater. Wow. And at one point I felt bad because I was laughing at stuff that they weren't laughing at. People weren't laughing. <laughs> 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 like, you know, you know how black people deal with their trauma through humor. Yeah, that's so, how we get over. There were scenes that were happening, which I guess in theory weren't supposed to be funny, but they were kind of funny. Like what scene? <laughs> what, what scene do you have in mind? Oh, I'm, I'm like curious. all of them. Um, no, like, <laughs> right, the whole thing. The whole like, thing. Oh, wow. No, no, like, for, the, for example, um, Rose's brother, who, yes. who represents this kind of crazy, uh, you know, Jack Rabbit, like, I want to fight a black man, you know, right. I want to prove my, my white manhood by beating up black mm. men kind of thing. I mean, I found him to be so ridiculous, but familiar, too. Who um, was he, Richard Spencer? Was he like, who, who was he supposed to represent? The all right, oh, Richard Spencer? <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm like, I'm like, who was he supposed to represent? Maybe. maybe he was absolutely crazy. And, you know, he, I mean, he gets up during dinner and walks over to Chris and tries oh, to put him in the headlock. I'm like, what yeah. is happening? So, yeah. um, but I thought like, yeah, I could totally see kind of this whole frat boy culture of like, come on, let's, let's, let's get a fight. Let me see if I can beat you. Let me, let me take you on. Um, mm -hmm. So moments like that actually caused me to like laugh out loud in theater. Um, That's good. You know what? I also, because uh, Jeremy was sizing Chris up, right? Getting ready for the kill. Right? Absolutely. Uh, at the Absolutely. end. But I, you know who, where I, I was, I laughed quite a bit too, right? Cause you know, this is only cause I'm like, oh God, this is our reality. <laughs> so I gotta laugh through it or else Lord. So, so who was very interesting to me was, um, uh, Jim Hardy. I think that was his character's name. Lord, I hope I didn't make that up. You remember the blind man in the movie? Jim Hudson. Oh God. He was played by Stephen Root. And the blind man with the cane, he's an art dealer, right? <laughs> Which is just hilarious, right? The irony there. Uh, but in my mind, he actually represented colorblind racism, right? Uh, the colorblind yeah. races, but he can see through, you know, everybody's, you know, nonsense and the pretentiousness of the party, you know? And so Chris was kind of like, oh, okay, maybe this dude's the only normal white person I can trust here at this party, right? And yeah, sure. he's, you know, he's a fan of Chris's work and all of that. And then, so I was kind of laughing at that whole thing. Just the the fact that this man is a, a blind art dealer and he knows, you know, Chris's work and all of that. Yeah. That was, you know, uh, hilarious to me. And I can say this, my father was blind, so I'm not being insensitive. I do want to say this, you know, and so I do have a level of sensitivity to that. If there's anybody on, you know, that's listening who might have been offended by me saying that. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting, but I was like, man, he represents these colorblind races, you know, who think they're not racist. But they're in on in on it, and this man was the one that bought Chris at the auction, yeah. which was the slave auction. And so this whole thing, this movie was just 
Ah, yeah, yeah. It was so deep and and yes, very comical as well, right? Well, Chris is, um, and Chris's best friend, right? So, right, um, right. is it Rod? Is that his name? Yes, Rod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so Rod is just like comic Rod relief really. throughout the whole movie, yes. and um, and the fact that he is the black person who knows the conspiracy theory, like yes. who knows the real deal, and we play him like he's just over the top. I appreciate I appreciated his character because he sized it up like like I don't know twenty Completely. minutes into the movie he's like this is what's gonna happen <laughs> and 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 yet it was like okay you know you conspiracy theory black person you always think everything is racism you're so over the top and right. the truth is he was he right. was spot on and he ends up of course being the person that rescues the naive black person wow. at the end of the movie right so he comes yes. in. He comes in for the rescue, like no one believes him. So even the the African-Americans who are working for the police department, they're laughing at him. They're mocking him. And it really, it reminds me of African-American people even now who are like, guys, just stop talking about racism or, you know, it really isn't that bad. Or if you don't bring it up, then you won't make it as bad as it is or, um, why, you why are you as bad as, as you know as our forefathers used, used to? to. Right, you know? right. Absolutely. Or or you're you're gonna make things worse for us by talking about, I don't know, reality. So <laughs> stop, stop us. telling the truth. <laughs> stop it. Stop telling the truth, okay? We, we like our denial. It's very pacifying <laughs> us right now. And so that's really what happened. So Rod is the person who's like pushing back on that, saying, like, uh uh-uh, uh, no, no, Miss Rose, I'm not having this from you. <laughs> and yes. so, so this right. character is um his his character is really really funny um but he also comes to the rescue and he plays like the everyday regular black guy and i really appreciated that i like the fact that he was like the regular working guy who works at the airport um and he confronts rose and he's like you're sick you're sick you know um (laughs) but he also comes and rescues his boy he goes and gets him and then of course at the end when he looks at him he's like i told you not to go in the house i told you not to that's right. I, I, I so I so appreciated his voice because it was consistent, I think, probably with the voice of maybe people that we know within our lives who would look at you and say, like, I'm going to rescue you, but I want to let you know for the record, that was stupid. You shouldn't have done that. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. exactly. I'm like, come on now. And that plays in in a lot of ways to how we experience even just this discussion as people of faith, right? I mean, you can't, you can go see any movie you would like, but it's really hard to not see a movie when you don't have your Christian life going on, right? So you're viewing this movie as a Christian black woman. And we've talked a little bit about how um, this, our sex and our ethnicity plays into our experience of the film. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's some, um, there's a few potential theological concepts coming through. I don't know if it it probably was not <laughs> intentional on Jordan Peele's part, but I'm really wondering how you guys would just rap about the sunken place. So first of all, I would love to hear your elevator pitch definition of what the sunken place is, even if it has to be really personal. What is your sunken place or in general what is the sunken place? Because I feel like we got to dig into that. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the sunken place. Mm. 
Well, well, you know what? Here's the thing. Oh, oh, Christina, you got something? You go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm listening. Okay, well, I was going to... So, yeah, because I've actually been thinking about this sunken place quite a bit, and I'm like, oh, what is this thing? So I was looking... I was like, let me go look. I, I said, let me see what Jordan Peele had to say about the sunken place, right? Mm-hmm. So I went to his timeline, and he said he had about three tweets about the sunken place. And um, the first one that I saw, he started off saying, um, the sunken place means we are marginalized. No matter how hard we scream, the system silences us, okay? Uh, and then the other tweet he he uh, put out was that we are all in the sunken place. And I was like, oh, snaps, we are? All of us? I was like, wait a minute, I thought, I was, hold up. You know, uh, I thought I thought the sunken place is only where Ben Carson and them are. Dang it. Like, what you mean we all in the sunken place? And so, uh, so then in the third tweet that he put out was, uh, because it is a construct of the mind, everyone's sunken place looks totally different. Sure. And so I was like, oh, snaps. Hmm. So, like, so what does that look like? So for me, I was thinking about, there's a couple of ways I was, I was thinking about the sunken place. The first is I kept asking myself, cause at first I didn't realize like, what, like he said, we're all in the sunken place. I actually literally thought the sunken place was a place of, how can I say, I would say that's akin to unwokeness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I think woke and unwoke are unhelpful binaries, but you know, I use it so that we can at least know it, it, there's just a general meaning a knowledge of what that means, right? And so I always, I, I thought initially watching the movie, sunken, sunken place equals unwokeness. Um, and then seeing his, uh, so it, off of that, initially I was thinking, well, dang, are we, you know, are we doing theology in the sunken place? You know, being black reform women, like, are we in the sunken place? You know, and then, you know, and thinking like, what does that mean? Well, can you have a level of consciousness in the sunken place? You know, because Chris was hypnotized by Missy and he was in the sunken place, but he was not at the lowest rung of the sunken place where Walter was, where Dre was, where Georgina was. And sure. so I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I'm just trying to, I haven't really come to conclusions yet, but this is just some things I had been thinking about and, and playing around with. And then after I saw... Um, that he said, we're all in the sunken place. Well, that to me was interesting because I started to think about, man, okay, so if we're all in the sunken place, I actually started to think about the fall. You know, like that's the ultimate sunken place, yo. Like mm. earth. Earth is, we are in the sunkenness of sunks. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and I was thinking, man, I think about Jesus leaving the father's side okay to come to the sunken place <laughs> and he did not wear gloves he came you know and he <laughs> became like one of us you know and 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 dwelt with us dwelt among us came to save us you know from our sins right because our sins really do keep us you know bound you know to this sunken place unless we're delivered you know and and actually pulled out from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light you know so so I, I was thinking about that, right? And that, but even those who have been delivered and transferred from the kingdom of darkness into light, we still have indwelling sin that threatens us, that beckons us to come back to the sunken place each and every wow. time. The sun, it wants to kill us. That's what sin wants to do every single time. So it wants to pull us back into the lower dregs of the sunken place. And we have to fight that every single day by the power of the spirit, you know? And so, and I think, and for me, 
I, I, I was thinking about, you know, how Christians and, and the way they were sometimes getting really tossed to and fro by the winds and doctrines of this world, left and right, quite literally, left and right, progressive, conservative. <laughs> I'm oh. like, you know what I'm saying? And so, uh, and so, and I'm just thinking about the fact that, man, if your progression, yeah, your progression is regression, if it transgresses God's word. Okay, like you ain't never gonna be more woke than Jesus. He the only one who ain't in the certain place. Okay, he is in the exalted place, which is what where we are because we're seated with Christ, you know, in heavenly places. And I think we always have to remember that. And so for me, that's what I've been playing around with, you know, um, theologically speaking, and then sociologically. Sociologically, I'm still trying to figure out. Dang, are we doing theology in the sunken place? And if we are, being reformed women, right? Because uh, we're surrounded by, you know, help us God, sunken people. And what what does it look like? <laughs> you know, it, it, but but you know, that can can there be a level of consciousness in here to be able to move the needle? Like you know, particularly as it pertains to race and what we do. You know, so I don't know. That was a lot, but that's what I've been thinking about, y'all. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's about you see. Yeah, this whole like sunken place thing is just kind of, it's just trippy the way it plays out in the movie. I think the way that I think about being in the sunken place is being mm. put away, mm. but, but knowing that you are being put away, being right. silenced and being put on a shelf, um, yeah. that you are aesthetically desirable, like your presence. So it's like, Mm. Think about like a multicultural mm. church, right? Mm. So think about how multicultural churches, people really enjoy phenotypical diversity, but they do not yeah. enjoy actual diversity of thought and value. Oh, yeah. And hermeneutical oh, yeah. tradition, right? They don't actually want diversity that equates into substance or that challenges them. They want the postcard. They want the image. And so they want your, you know, your black face next to your Latina face, next to your Asian face, next to your racially ambiguous face. Um, (laughs) They want that, but they don't want what you think about. And so in some way, they think of the sunken place as representing, we want your phenotypical diversity, but we don't want, we don't care about what you have to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really what happens in this movie, right? When, When people are put into the sunken place and their bodies are harvested, People experience the benefits of what they look like or what they represent uh, on the surface, but they're not hearing their thoughts and their values and their ideals. They're not allowed to bring those to the table. So I think of that as a sunken place. Any space where um, you are allowed to be present uh, on the surface, but your ideas are not allowed to be present. Mm -hmm. Your voice is not allowed to, to be shared in those spaces. Um, so that's, that's kind of what, that's what stands out to me when I think about the sunken place. I also, as, as a ther as somebody who, you know, trained in therapy, I am tickled by, uh, you know, this, this psychotherapist who's hypnotizing people. And I'm, I was watching it. I was watching it thinking like, this is, see this, this is exactly what we need. Now we're going to have more black folks that don't go to therapy. This is great. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, I was like, did you know, we already feel oh, like no. you're trying to get into my head. Are you trying to hypnotize me? And like now we actually have a movie that embodies oh, the biggest no. fear, which is that it's basically why people are trying to like get yes. into our brains and destroy our minds, you know. So I think Oh man, I, you're so right. I did not yeah. even think about that. I was like, see, that that wasn't helpful. That wasn't that helpful. helpful. <laughs> that was helpful. That is that is so 
so poignant. I mean, to me, even <laughs> thinking about how so many of our friends would be looking at that film and not thinking of what are the implications for Black people's mm-hmm. mental health. But yeah. you know Christina go find it. You know she's gonna find it. She's gonna find it. She gonna yes. find it. <laughs> because we deserve good mental health, y'all. We deserve Amen. it. Yes, Amen. go to therapy, y'all. Go to therapy. Everybody. It is good for you. It is good for you. Steward your I also think so it's really it just feels really important to discuss liberation and equality, which is the thing that I'm always going to find. So just looking, just listening in is really helpful for me to consider the sheer amount of power that whiteness has, has so uh, depressingly, I mean, has so, to me, I'm just going to say horrifically, whiteness Uh horrifically has garnered for itself such an incredible amount of power to where we're talking about the sunken place and practicing our theology, our socializing, uh, trying to send messages to each other through the system so marred by whiteness. We can't even see each other because of the power of Help whiteness. Us. But what, what is mm-hmm. it about equality that actually frees us not only to communicate with each other, but to boldly look at even the people who would hypnotize us and put us on a shelf to look them in the (laughs) eye and say, you know, you don't have no power over me. That's right. Like there is no spoon. Come on. Mm, Like you, you can, you bring all them little spoons. You want stir it, tap, whatever you got to do, put me whatever sunken place you want to put me in. But you and I are equal. And that means that there is a chance. And as a person who ain't even seen this film, but I feel like I've been in one or two sunken places. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As a person who lives through that, I, I feel that the more people of color who see each other in these mitigated circumstances, the more that we see each other in this realm of being shelved, of being silenced, of being covered as if we are invisible, ignored as if our voices don't exist, the more we cry out together, send messages to each other, refuse to dismiss the conspiracy theorists, right or wrong, we hear them and we interact with them. I think the more we can realize that there is no power that can have so deep an impact to where we are so terrified that we have to run. So I do think that we have to get out quote unquote of these places in which people are trying to kill us. But theologically (laughs) the earth is the Lord's and I'm not going nowhere. That's right. I'm not going nowhere. That's right. That's good. So that is good. Yep. And remember and be mindful and remember that man, white supremacy is the ultimate it is the peak alternative fact okay mm-hmm. it exactly. is fake news that exactly. is what fake news is white supremacy and so that's something that we always have to fight against you know um and always be mindful uh, i guess while operating in that sunken place you know that we are not a willing party to our own death particularly um in these these circles you know that we find ourselves in uh mm-hmm. so yeah thank y'all this was good this is good. Yeah. I'm glad we got to discuss the movie. Go watch it, y'all. Go watch it, Michelle. <laughs> it's on my to-do list. <laughs> you know, irrational fears are mm-hmm. always 
the most, um, they're always the most binding, right? We, wow. we always, we, we have misplaced fears. That's a part of our problem as human beings. Wow. Our fear is supposed to be all aligned at the thrice holy God, right? And so it, we are always consumed by the things that we really shouldn't be fearful of at all. And so that doesn't mean they don't have real consequences and real implications, right? Because right? Chris yeah. is literally running for his real life in this movie. For real. And we are all, we all experience the consequences of um, these fear, these, these systems of oppression that we have to interact with. But it, it just shows the importance of making sure that our fears are rightly directed at he who is worthy of our fear. Yep. And there's, and there really is only one. <laughs> there's that's only right. one that's worthy of our fear, which is God himself. That's so, um, but, but yeah, I, I think that's the, the, you think about, you know, who really is mighty and powerful and strong and, and worthy us for us to really understand true terror, mm-hmm. true fear. Oh, the thrice holy God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in that sense, mm-hmm. white supremacy is going to have to bow and, and, yeah. and shake under the authority of a God who is coming for pure justice. And so yep. in that sense, I, I fear for those who want to cuddle with white supremacy or any form of bigotry. Um, right. Because the one who is worthy of our fear is going to come and check it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the judge yep. of all the earth shall do right. He mm-hmm. will. He will do that. And in the meantime, we continue to fight. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, so, so yeah, thank y'all for your insights and your analysis and your thoughts. This was good. This is good for myself. And thank you to our listeners for asking us actually to discuss Get Out. I mean, uh, we, we wanted to do this because we had so many requests. And so thank you. Thank you for asking us to talk about it. And thank you for taking a seat at the table with us this week. So let's keep the conversation going. Since y'all asked us uh, to talk about Get Out, why don't you tweet us your thoughts about the movie Get Out? Uh, use the hashtag Truth Table and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Truth Table. Or you can email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Now, don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on the Satchel Podcast Player. Subscribe, rate, review, y'all. Uh, our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. Special thanks and shout out goes to the Reformed African American Network and Pottery Studios. We have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. <laughs> <laughs>